0: hello and welcome to the 32nd episode of the commander quest podcast where today we are going to be talking about a huge change to the rules of the commander quest and we are going to be doing a deck deck for a maersil the pretender deck so to start off there is no magic news uh this usually happens uh right after spoiler season When the pre releases are happening, things like that, there's usually not too much news. Um, second, I'm going to jump right into the changes to the commander quest. So, if you do not, if you do not already know what the commander quest used to be, it was my goal in building all these decks in the past on this podcast. I would build two decks a week with no overlap and I was trying to get every single card in Magic. So, what are the changes? So, there are two, basically two changes. One is duplicates are now allowed. Now, there's more to it than this, but basically my goal is to have the... Have I want to make deck techs that someone can look in with their own deck and either A, find find some cards for their deck that could help improve it, or B, uh, let them see a different way of building the deck, or C, give them a baseline to start tinkering to make their own. So, I think that, with my old rules, it was incredibly difficult to do that. So, here's my formula of how best I can do it. Now, I don't think that the best way to present decks to, my, to an audience is to give them a finished deck. Yes, technically my decks will be legal in Commander, but I have completely skipped out on Staples. Everyone can choose how many staples they want, what staples they they want, exactly how they are going to do this. And it can help give the deck some some, customiz- some customization. So my formula is, I'm going to take the most niche and unique cards for that commander and put them in the deck. I'm not going to build mana bases also because that is a, that is a really budget thing. So, that is a really budget-dependent thing, what your uh, mana bases are going to look like. So, the decks I will present to you will be legal in Commander and will have lands inside of them. But they will not have staples in them. This will mean they'll probably be cheaper, but it's probably not the best idea to deck tech them. So, what I will do is I will have Basically, I will tell you which cards are a good idea to cut. That that way you can tinker it and choose how you want it to be. Okay. Uh, I think that's going to really help this podcast uh, improve. Alright, so the second thing I have is double deck tech suck. So... Double deck text is in the past episodes that I was working on the commander quest. I would do two episode, two uh, decks per week. That is just a really, really bad way of covering it. Not only can I not title the video on uh, half of what it's about, but also uh, it's just it can make the Episodes really long, really clunky. I don't like the idea of double deck techs. Um, the third thing is collection statistics. Because duplicates are now allowed, I'm questioning what the value of collection statistics are. Because they don't have to stick with the average of it. Uh, I figured I would feel this episode out, I have it open, I have it up, I don't know if I'm going to talk about it, but I mean my current plan is no, because it doesn't really matter if I'm adhering to the average when it doesn't have to be the average. So we will see, the only thing really that is notable is how many unique cards I have, Uh, out of the 20,000, of course, I will still be trying to get all of the cards, but I don't think that's really a useful statistic. Um, maybe just, like, a two-second segment, like, all right, just so you remember, at the end of the episode, uh, there's- we have gotten this many cards. That could work, but that- those are my current Updates, I will still be doing card of the week Um, I don't know exactly what my plan is with the double deck text. I might end up making two uh, Episodes a week or I might end up just doing one deck a week now The issue with one deck a week is it's just incredibly slow progression on this goal especially because of the duplicates allowed like, it, it'll take me probably, like, five more years with the, uh, duplicates allowed. With, uh, even if we didn't allow duplicates, it would take five more years. So probably six or seven more years to complete the goal, which is just insane. Um, I don't know. Uh, doing two, two decks a week also kind of sucks. Because I am always going to produce them on the weekend. And because of the way YouTube distributes things, I can't really justify uh, l- releasing them at the same time. I would have to wait. I'd have to wait until uh, 24 hours had passed in order for YouTube to distribute it to everyone it's going to. So, current plan is I'm not sure what I'm gonna do about Double Deck Techs, I just know I'm not going to be doing them. Uh, I mean, I guess you will see, you, you'll see, I'll probably talk about it next episode with some idea. Alright, so next up we are going to talk about, um, I don't know, so That's another thing I could reformat is the order of the episodes. Should I start off with Card of the Week or start off with Mersil? I think I'm going to start off with Card of the Week because it's more applicable to everyone. Uh, So Card of the Week is where I use EDHREC data to analyze cards, but this time it's unique. It is a how to analyze a card for your deck one. I know this has been coming for a long, long time. I've said I've been doing that, I was going to do this for a while, and I just was waiting until I ran out of cards that, off the top of my head, that I could analyze uh, for opponents. So, we are talking about Shamanic Revelation. That is three green, green for sorcery. Draw a card for each creature you control, and it has Ferocious. You gain four life for each creature creature you control with power 4 or greater. All right. So, step 1. This is three green green for sorcery. You want to choose how many cards or how much life, whatever bunch of things what uh different um combinations of these things you would have to get in order to be happy. Maybe you have to draw 4 cards. Maybe you have to gain 20 life. Maybe you have to draw 3 cards and gain 8 life. Whatever it might be, I want you to think about what is worth it to you. And keep in mind, uh, what what I generally like to do is I have a baseline, you are almost definitely going to get this, and then you usually have like a 40% chance of getting one higher than that. So, in this case, you are thinking, okay, so I'm almost definitely going to get this, and I might, if I am lucky, get more. So, that's what you want to think about. What is your threshold? All right, so the next step, what I want you to do is, uh, you don't have to use uh, a spreadsheet. Um, That is up to you, but in my opinion, it is a pretty easy way to do it. So what you're going to do is you're going to go through each CMC and you are going to write down how many creatures you have in that CMC. I also want you to do this for token production. If you have any card that makes one creature, that will count as a creature. If you have any cards card that makes more than one creature, I want you to categorize those separately. I will talk about those later. So step one, get the cards that will make you one creature. Making a creature counts as if you just play a creature, making a creature is the same thing. So you will put those down in CMC. I generally do CMC 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 and then I do 7 or more because there's usually not too many of those. But if you have a deck that cares about a lot of large creatures, then you can, you can do this differently. So you're going to write down how many creatures in each of those CMCs you have. And you will do the same for uh, the 2+. plus. So here's what you're going to do. If you think about it, Shamanic Revelation is 5 mana. So you will never need to... You will never be casting this before you are able to cast your creatures uh, with 4 CMC. So what you're going to do is you're going to start off by counting the number of cards you have that make a creature... 4 cmc or less uh, that applies to the other one also it is 4 cmc or less so 2 cmc 3 cmc also apply uh, You will count that the same way but for the Cards that will give you multiple you will count that as double yes, that is mathematically accurate so Keep in mind you will count the number of creatures you have four or less You have CMC4 or less. Then you will count the number of creatures or cards that make two creatures CMC4 or less and double that. Add that to the number. Add that to the number you had in the beginning. Just add those two numbers together. You will do the same for three, make three creatures. You will triple that number over and over and over again until you are done with the number of creatures it produces. If it is a variable, either you can analyze that card in your deck, or you can, not or, or in an opponent's deck, or you can just think about what you think is a reasonable scenario. That is up to you. So, keep in mind, uh, you are going to get that number. So this number is what you are going to plug into a hypergeometric distribution calculator. You are going to put in your population size as 99. You're going to put your number of successes in population as whatever that number is. I'm going to say 14. Uh, I have no idea if that's accurate. Probably not. I think it'd probably be more. We'll go, we'll go uh, 23. Seems about right. So sample size, we are working off of what turn it is. We are going to take seven, which is our starting hand size, and we are going to add that to the number, to the turn it is, which would be the number of cards we have drawn. So in theory, that would be 12. If you have a significant number of card draw, you can analyze and figure out how many cards you're likely to draw, uh, Generally, if you have 12 cards, you can, 12 card draw cards, you can probably assume you will get one or two more cards, uh, depending on the card draw. If you count cantrips as card draw, you can add one per cantrip because it just filters. If you don't, which I personally don't, uh, drawing one, drawing two, uh, you can add two to that number. I know that's a little unusual, but that would be how it works. Alright, so sample size, we are going to go with 12 because I don't actually have a sample deck. In the future, I'll probably do that, but this is the first time I am teaching you guys how to analyze that card. So the number of successes in sample, I want you to put in whatever number you thought is makes this worth playing. So I thought of 4. Alright, so... In this scenario, we have a 29% chance of getting more or the same number uh, than that. And a 10% chance, sorry, and an 11% chance of getting more. So, that is not good. Now, this is not the end of the calculations. What you can do is you can count the number of creatures with CMC5 you control and add that, right? Remember the old, remember how we did it before, the creatures that make multiple creatures get added multiple times? So we're going to add those on to that number of successes in population. So let's say we add, uh, well, let's say we go up to 29, we added 6 cards. It seems reasonable. So, now we also have those creatures at CMC5. So we can also add one to the sample size because we we have drawn another card. And boom. We now have a 56, sorry, a 57% chance of getting it. Now, that still isn't great, but we are now fairly likely at getting four, and if we go down to three, we can see we have an 80% chance. So we're probably going to get it. So, alright. We are still not satisfied with that. We're probably gonna get three, maybe gonna get four if we're lucky. So let's go up again. We are now on, we can now add creatures with CMC6. So let's add one to that sample size and let's add, again, I'm gonna go with five. So we're 35. Again, these are just estimates. We will actually see how this goes and boom. We are there. We have reached eighty-one uh, percent. That is my my threshold. My threshold where I can comfortably say, I think I am almost definitely going to get this, and if I'm lucky, I will get more. Now that is a personal choice. What you would what you would prefer, but I think that's a pretty good threshold. So keep in mind, this is for. Uh, turn six, so turn six, we have, sorry, turn seven, we are casting it on turn six, I messed up. So keep in mind, the card you draw on the turn with heroic inter- with um, shamanic revelation does not count, because you're not going to be casting creatures on this spell. Now, I use a similar method to this when I'm analyzing cards, and it totally depends on the card. You have to really think about what is happening in order to figure out how to do this. You probably can do this. Uh, You can probably figure out how to do it without me, but I will continue to teach you and you'll learn more and more about it. So keep in mind, think about what is happening and you can usually figure it out. All right, so uh, to sum up, count the number- oh, well, there's there's the second aspect of it, we'll get to that in a second. So, to sum up, count the number of creatures you have in each CMC. Uh, divide that up by the number of creatures they produce. So, then add the number of each CMC uh, together um, in order to uh, multiply by the number of creatures it produces. You will go under a certain, uh, number depending on which turn you expect to cast it. You can then put that as the number of successes in population, put the sample size as 7 plus whatever turn you want, you think it, you think it is going to be in the scenario, uh, put the number of successes in, sam- in sample, the number of cards you would like to draw, and the sample size and the population size is 99. All right. So there, then there is the second part. Ferocious. You gain 4 life for each creature you control with power 4 or greater. So we are going to do a similar thing. We are going to map out the number of creatures we control with power 4 or greater. And we're going to put that on a similar chart. So what we're going to do is we're going to count. So let's say CMC4 or less, maybe we have... So, maybe we have, like, two, maybe three. We'll say three. Three creatures with CMC4 or less that have power 4 or greater. Uh, Sample size, again, we are talking about casting this on turn 5, but we can't cast creatures on turn 5, so we can only cast them on turn 4, so it's going to be 11. And we'll just put 2 as the number of successes in sample. It would be really nice to gain uh, 8 life. And boom, wow, that is really low. That is a 3% chance of happening. And even if we bring it down to, to 1, it's still only a 30% chance of happening. That is because the number of successes in population is incredibly low. So let's go up. We're talking CMC5 plus CMC5 uh, and below number of grid with the power of 4 greater. So we can assume maybe like 8. Right? So, boom, now you have a 62% chance of getting one. So, generally, I would assume with this part, you might gain 4 to 8 life, and probably not much more. Um, again, you can analyze it, but you're going to count the number, you're going to add that together, and you can calculate how you want. It is a very similar process to before. Alright. So that was an incredibly long teaching lesson, hopefully I can get better at that, and hopefully people actually understood. But I guess that's why there's time codes in the description, in order for people to just skip through. Or if you're watching on YouTube, there are, uh, what are they called, chapters? Yes, there are chapters. Alright, so it is time to get into the deck. So the deck this week is a Maersil the Protector deck. Sorry, the Pretender deck. Mersil the Pretender is one blue, black, red for a 4-4. Legendary creature, human, wizard. When Mersil the Pretender enters the battlefield, you may exile an artifact or creature card from your hand or graveyard and put a cage counter on it. Mersil the Pretender has all activated abilities of all cards you own in exile with cage counters on them. You may activate each of those abilities only once each turn. So... I'm going to go through this generally the way I usually do. I have categorized this and I'm going to give an example of what each category does. So start off, Flicker. So Flicker is the idea that you can exile, Flicker is the concept that you can exile Mersil and bring her back, right back to the battlefield, so that that Trigger, when it enters the battlefield, you may exile an artifact or creature card from your hand or graveyard and put a cage counter on it. So that trigger will happen again. And you'll be able to have more, uh, more, uh, whatever it's called, activated abilities on Mersa. There are five cards that have this ability and they do it in several ways. One example is Aetherling. Four, blue, blue, four, five. Blue. Exile Aetherling. Return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. There you go. Technically, how Aetherling, how Mersil works, is if a card references itself and Mersil gets its abilities, then the card will reference Mersil, not the original creature. So, again, uh, you can flicker. Soul for just a blue on every single player's turn. That is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Uh, there are five other cards that are sim- that have a similar effect to this. Removal. So there are six cards with removal. One example is Minion of Leshrac. Now this removal is a little bit unique as it all uses an activated ability of removal that can be put onto Maersil. Minion of Leshrac is 4 black black for a 5-5 with protection from black. During your upkeep, Sack a creature or Minion of Leshrac deals 5 damage to you. If Minion of Leshrac deals damage to you in this way, tap it. You cannot sacrifice Minion of Leshrac to itself. Tap. Destroy target creature or land. Now, this might seem incredibly bad. But, keep in mind, with Maersil, you can exile it and only get that ability to destroy target creature or land. That is how you can take advantage of this. Now, there are a lot of similar cards. Um, Some of them have downsides, some of them are just quite expensive. But, generally, they are pretty bad and Maersil makes them quite good. Next up is just generally good abilities. I actually only had one card in here. I think I might have um narrowed down these uh narrowed down these categories a little bit too much. Uh so Tree of Perdition is 3 and a black for 013 with defender. Tap, exchange target opponent's life total with Tree of Perdition's toughness. So yes, you can do that. But you can also get mersil to have the activated ability of that. You can exchange mersil's toughness, which is 4, with target opponent's life. That is incredible. You can just get someone down to 4, plus mersil has 4 power also. So you can just kill them if you have a way to untap it. It is incredibly powerful and will be incredibly easy to kill someone with this. You can also just do it in response to someone attacking in order to get someone killed. Next category is copying abilities. So copying abilities is basically you can use a card to make it so that the abilities you use with Mersil will be duplicated. Such as Rings of Brightheart. Three for an artifact. Whenever you play an activated ability, if it isn't a mana ability, you may pay two. If you do copy that ability, you may choose new targets for the copy. There you go. Say, for example, with Tree of Redition, you can now make two opponent's life totals. Oh, wait, that that's kind of not better because it just exchanges twice. But you you get the idea. With a removal card, you can destroy two gar- target creatures. Something like that. Alright, next category is Bounce. Again, only one card here. Two and eight. So, the example here and what it does is Grinning Ignis, which is two and a red for a creature elemental. Two, two. Red, return Grinning Ignis to its owner's hand. Add two and a red to your mana pool. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So, Basically, it's just a way to bounce Mersil back so that I can cast it again. Remember, if it refers to itself, it would actually refer to Mersil. Casting it again means I get more abilities. Plus, getting that tuna red basically makes it easier to recast Mersil. That way, it only really costs blue-black-red, which is still a lot, but much easier than one blue-black-red. Plus, it's just about the best bounce card that there is. Next is Get Abilities. So, there are three cards here, and they're basically cards that have other ways of getting uh, abilities from uh, all the cards we have with abilities. One example is Quicksilver Elemental. Three, blue, blue for a three, four, blue. Quicksilver Elemental gains all activated abilities of target creature until end of turn. You may spend blue mana as though mana of any color to pay the activation costs costs of Quil- Quicksilver Elemental's abilities. Boom, there we go. Similar. It just basically we have another Merosil that is incredibly good. All right. So there are uh, five more categories. First one, draw. So draw is basically where we can tap a creature to draw some number of cards. Usually one, unless it's Arcanus. So, we're going to talk about Arcanus. Arcanus the Omnipotent is three blue blue for a three four. Tap, draw three cards. Two blue blue, return Arcanus the Omnipotent to its owner's hand. So, this way, we can use Maersil to tap to tap it over and over and over again and just draw a ton of cards. All right, plus we can return Mersil to our hand and get and be able to recast it over and over again. Although that is quite mana intensive considering it's already 4 mana to use that ability. All right, next up is external untap. So this is one of the ways uh, that as I said we can untap things over and over again. So these are just uh, creatures or artifacts or something that will untap Mersil or maybe even another creature for us. For example, a feto alchemist is one one in a blue for creature wizard. Tap, untap target artifact or creature. It also has morph uh, for a blue, but that's not the important part. Being able to untap an artifact or creature can be very useful. We have nine cre- cards in this category, and they all do basically the same thing. Next is internal untap. So this is another way that we can use to untap our creatures over and over again. This, these are creatures that say, uh, do this, untap, whatever the creature is named. So it will actually refer to Maersil. For example, Cinderhaze Wretch. Four and a black for three two. Put a plut- put a-, a negative one in- put a negative one negative one counter on Cinder Haze Cinder wretch. Untap Cinderhaze wretch, and it also has tap target player discards a card. Play this ability only during your turn. So it's just another way to untap Mersil. It does kind of run out pretty quickly, but it gives you a couple of activations. So, the idea is creatures that, when exiled with Mersil, will allow us to uh, get more untapping. So, yes, there are 19 cards with untap in this deck, so we're fairly likely to get two, one internal, one external, and be able to do a lot of untapping. Plus, notably, we can equip a lot of these untappers to Mersil. But they are fairly useless. Either we can tap them to untap the tap Marisol to untap itself, which is pointless. Or we can tap it to untap a land, which is also pretty pointless. Next up is Mill. Uh, so Ashiok, Dreamrun, you know what? We'll use something else. We will use uh, Buried Alive. Two and a black for a sorcery. Search your library for up to three creature cards. Put them into your graveyard. Then shuffle your library. Mill is the idea of getting create cards from our library and putting them into our graveyard. That way you can we can use uh, Ashiok's ability to exile them and get more abilities. There are a lot of different ways we can do that such as with Buried Alive's tutoring or with Ashiok Dream Renders, just grabbing them off the top of the library. Ashiok Dream Render is one, blue black, blue black, four five, loyalty, legendary planeswalker, ashiok. Spells as as and abilities your opponents control can't cause their opponents to search your library. Uh sorry, can't cause their controllers to search their library. That's just a nice bonu- bonus. And it says negative one, target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. That is what we really want. And then another nice bonus. Then exile each opponent's graveyard. So, we're going to choose ourselves so that we can exile something hopefully with Ashiok. So, the idea of Mill is to get things into our graveyard that we can exile with Ashiok to win the game. And then I saved one category for last. So, this is combo. I'm sure that I missed out on some of the combos, and there were even some really complicated and pretty useless ones that I left out. But the idea of combo is to, in fact, I, I, just, I just thought of one that I should add. So, the idea of combo is something that is usually put onto Maricill that can win you the game or get you infinite of something uh, when, when a specific combination of cards are together. For example, we have Basalt Monolith, which is three for an artifact. Basalt Monolith doesn't untap during your untap step. Tap, add colorless, colorless, colorless. Three, untap Basalt Monolith. With Heartstone, three for an artifact. The cost, sorry, that does not work. Actually, it does. Uh, Sorry, the cost of each creature ability requiring an activation cost is reduced by one. This cannot reduce an ability's generic mana cost to less than 1. So, if we have Basalt Monolith on Mersil, we can pay 2 to untap Basalt Monolith and then tap it for 3. Effectively, getting us infinite mana. Uh, There are a lot of cards with that, and there are also a lot of infinite creature production uh, combos, but they're fairly redundant, and I'm... Don't think it's really interesting to talk about combos for 5 minutes. Alright, it is time to get into the collection statistics, which I just now realized I don't do anymore. So, there are 2,821 cards. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe if you enjoyed for more. Like or rate uh, my podcast, depending on which platform you are on. Comment or write a review, again, depending on which platform you're on, hit the notification bell if you are on YouTube, and share it with your friends. Uh, In order to contact me, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, Mainly you can do it through email, uh, which is Gryffindor at gmail.com, link in the description, of course. or through my Discord server. Link in the description. You can PM me or you can just at me in the server. Um, you can also if you really want, you can comment. I will probably respond, but that's a really weird way of, do- of contacting me. Also that only works on YouTube. Not sure why you would do that, but if you really want to Uh, You can send me a voice message, uh, which there will be, again, a link in the description, and I can include this message in my podcast. Uh, I'm sure that I will, if it is a good question, I will probably add a listener question segment if I get a reasonable amount of questions. Next, uh, deck links will be included for whatever decks, if I even talked about a deck this episode. I almost definitely did. Uh, they will be included in the description. Uh, you can look at other decks I've built for the Commander Quest on my Commander Quest architect Link in the description or at Commander Quest. You can look at decks I've built for other reasons on my personal deck Jank underscore garbage. I did change my name so old links might not be relevant. might not work anymore but it should it should still work with the one in the description Uh, you can view this podcast on either YouTube or most podcast platforms whichever you prefer Uh, if you want to find my podcast on another platform you can go to my website link in the description and there will be links within that And. For the last time there are links to all of those things I just talked about within the description and a hypergeometric distribution calculator which is a way that I can help calculate uh, for card of the week. Thank you for listening and I will see you next time.